Welcome to Everyday Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Cynthia Thurlow. This podcast is designed to educate, empower, and inspire you to achieve your health and wellness goals. My goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and conversations from leaders in the health and wellness industry each week and impact over a million lives. The impact of stress on skin, hormones, and well-being with an emphasis on the menopause transition is the focus of Dr. Kira Barr's work. She is a traditionally trained clinical dermatologist, as well as an integrative medicine specialist. And we dove deep into not just the physiology of skin, but also the role of estrogen and progesterone and testosterone on changes that occur in the skin naturally. What I love about her work is that she really emphasizes the net impact of chronic stress and anxiety that shows up on our skin, how stress impacts the symptoms and skin changes, especially as we navigate middle age, how she feels that we should use our skin as an asset to create resilient health rather than something to be fixed or covered up. We dove deep into some anti-aging protocols, the role of hormone replacement therapy, We even spoke about vaginal lasers and her experiences there. And she refers to this affectionately as an inside out perspective with regard to how she views how women show up in middle age and elsewhere. Also the importance of reconnecting to our bodies to help us feel more comfortable in our skin, literally and figuratively. I hope you love this conversation as much as I did. Dr. Kirabar, I am excited and so thrilled to have you joining me today to really talk and unpack all the things about skin as women are hitting 35, 40, 45 and beyond all the changes that happen. I've gotten such great response and interest in this podcast episode. I'm so excited to have you with me today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to have this conversation. Yeah. So tell me what got you so passionate about talking to women about how to navigate middle age and beyond. I understand from colleagues of ours that you got tired of treating acne, which we know can happen throughout our lifetime, but what made you feel particularly interested slash vested in women that are North of 35? Cause I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Most importantly, right? Most importantly, it's all about me. No, I'm just kidding. I think part of it is, you know, when I was practicing, dermatology. So I have full transparency. I am not in a clinic right now. I really do take a different approach to skin health, but I was clinically treating skin cancer and melanoma. And then I was behind the microscope. So looking anytime you had a biopsy, I was the one making the diagnosis. So always going beneath the surface. And so I wasn't on the aesthetic side of things. And really, I think what bothered me the most is as we're heading North of 35, is the emphasis is always on this anti-aging concept Mm -hmm. and not being who we are, where we are, trying to camouflage and cover up and make you feel pretty shitty about ourselves. Like who you are is not who you're supposed to be right now. You're supposed to be X years younger. And knowing what skin looks like underneath the microscope, what causes those things, you know, I think it really informed my interest to help people view their skin from a different perspective, that it's not something to be covered up or fixed. It can be your greatest ally and asset to understand what's happening in your body, to empower you to make some changes that are within your control. 
And I think for many people, they don't acknowledge or understand that what manifests on the exterior part of our body can be a reflection of what's going on, whether it's, you know, gut microbiome issues or inflammation or the choices we make in our diet. And I would imagine that since you have this, you know, tremendous breadth of clinical experience and also a very unique lens with which you view healthy aging, which is incredibly refreshing because I feel like most women are conditioned to believe that we want to subjugate our needs. We want to become invisible. Our needs are no longer important. And if we kind of lean towards social media or lean towards print ads or what we see on movies, it's a society that's very focused on never aging, never aging, never looking your age, never being your age, never admitting your age, all things that I think can be tremendously unhealthy for women to be exposed to on a chronic kind of habitual basis, because I know that I'm at the stage and age where a lot of my girlfriends will, you know, that aren't in the healthcare space will like ask me questions. What do you do? What do you use? You know, do you do laser? Do you do Botox? Do you do injectables? Do you do these? Because there's so much misinformation that's out there. So that's why I'm particularly grateful to be able to connect with you and be able to share your knowledge with our listeners. So I think if we kind of start from the basics, let's unpack a little bit about skin physiology, the impact of hormones and For those that are listening, there are some people that are still, you know, way before perimenopause, we've got plenty of people in the perimenopause and menopause space, but the changes that kind of occur throughout our lifetime in our skin. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. And so much of what you said, I feel like (laughs) there's so much to say. Uh, (laughs) I mean, the social conditioning is huge and the beauty industry is a $500 billion plus industry. And it really is designed to make us feel not good enough in many ways. And that's not to say that there aren't some amazing products out there and taking care of your skin from the outside in is important, but really taking care of yourself as the human being from the inside out is even more important because more than just a reflection of our physical well-being, your skin is a reflection of your emotional and mental well-being too. There is such a connection between our mind and our skin. You know, if you're embarrassed, you get flushed, you know, like if you're stressed out, you may notice that your acne or psoriasis or eczema is flaring and individuals who are stressed may have trichotillomania, right? They're pulling their hair, may scratch and cut them. Like it manifests in so many ways. So I really want to emphasize that when we talk about skincare and the changes, it really is taking care of the whole person. And that's where I focus most of my time now is in the emotional and mental well-being. So that plays into the role that hormones play in our skin over time. Certainly those of us, you know, in perimenopause, you know, can start in our mid to late thirties for some women, for myself, I definitely was in my late thirties. And can last anywhere, you know, the textbooks will say four to 10 years, but it's very unique and individual. And so what we start to see, you know, estrogen does play a significant role in the health of our hair and our skin. Estrogen plays a role in collagen formation. So giving us that youthful appearance, it plays a role in skin hydration by production of the glycosaminoglycans, which is the hyaluronic acid, the filler that so many of us get injected into our face is hyaluronic acid, which your body makes naturally, which estrogen is playing a significant role. Estrogen also plays a significant role in the hair growth cycle. So your hair grows in three phases, a resting phase, a growing phase, and a falling out phase. 
Estrogen prolongs the growth phase of the hair. That's why when women are pregnant, their hair is lush and full. They give birth, or I should say people who are giving birth, when after they give birth, you know, their estrogen levels drop, their hair all of a sudden is falling out in, in clumps and, and they may not understand that's actually normal. It's just the natural process of your hormones diminishing. So when we're in this natural phase of life, those of us who will go through menopause, your hormones are declining. And so what you may find is your hair is getting thinner and finer, not growing as quickly. You will also notice that your skin is getting drier and it's not just on your face or your arms, your legs. It's also in your intimate bits because your vaginal skin is skin. And so same thing with collagen. You may notice more fine lines, wrinkling, sagging, jowling, and in the vaginal skin, that tissue is going to atrophy. It's going to be thinner because you're not generating as much collagen. Because of that, people may also experience urinary frequency and urgency because the tissue around the urethra and the vault, you know, everything is impacted. So that's just kind of a a beginning place to start. That's a lot of information, but (laughs) I just want to No, but it's so helpful because a lot of those connecting the dots pieces may, people may be saying, oh, that explains why I feel like I do a bathroom more frequently. Oh, that explains why my ponytail isn't as full as it was before. Because I think there's a lot of focus on in the beauty industry here, collagen and elastin that people don't understand, like, what does that actually represent? And then, you know, also unpacking things like progesterone. And I think people think about progesterone, like, oh, progesterone helps me become mellow and it helps me with, you know, sleep propensity, but there's so much more to it than that. And I always like to think of progesterone and estrogen as doing this delicate dance. And maybe as we get closer to menopause, we may have more circulating estrogen than we have progesterone, which explains some of the symptoms we experience, but it's reassuring to know that we have these estrogen and progesterone instructors throughout our body. It's not just localized in one, one or two places like we're led to believe. And I always say that, you know, I, I like to think I went to a, a pretty darn good university and I know more about hormones now. I never had a healthy respect for the endocrine system until now. I feel like now I really respect it and understand this careful orchestration. You had mentioned autoimmune issues that can manifest as skin problems you kind of touched on the role of like stress and how that can manifest. But when your cortisol is up, that can manifest as different changes in the skin as well. And so I think it's really helpful for women to know slash reassuring that a lot of these changes are very normal. If we are able to live long enough, we will see changes throughout our body. It's not just localized to one organ. Yeah, it's so true. And circling a couple of things with progesterone in particular, there isn't much as much in the literature of how progesterone impacts the skin as estrogen. However, progesterone is thought to play a role in skin thickness and elasticity. Where progesterone can play a more significant role is with our hair. So typically progesterone declines first, then estrogens behind that, then your androgens. Now your androgens, testosterone, is converted to a more potent form, dihydrotestosterone. And it does that through an enzyme called 5-alpha reductase. Progesterone in normal healthy levels acts as kind of a stopgap. It blocks that conversion from testosterone to its more potent form. As you are heading into perimenopause and progesterone is declining, you don't have that blockage as much. This is why some women may notice a widening of their part because testosterone or dihydrotestosterone 
on the scalp, what it does is it causes a shrinking of the hair follicle, something called miniaturization. So the hairs are more fine, more thin. You have this kind of male pattern, female pattern, baldness. On the face, it has the exact opposite. Dihydrotestosterone will stimulate hair follicles. So women may notice they feel like they're going bald, they're growing a beard, WTF, like, you know, seriously, <laughs> this is not funny. <laughs> that is exactly part of it is it is that lack of inhibition from progesterone and the relative dominance of the androgens at that time that's causing, this is something that you'll also see with, you know, PCOS and other. So it's not just as you so eloquently pointed out, our hormones are always in this constant delicate balance and bringing stress into it. Stress is like the worst for our skin on so many levels because our primary stress hormone cortisol, not only if you're talking about aging gracefully, cortisol will cause a destruction of your collagen and your elastin, and it'll also prevent repair. So that like acceleration of the aging process, stress is going to do that every time. It also directly stimulates your oil glands. So those individuals who are like, oh my gosh, what, you know, I'm feeling stressed out. My skin is breaking out. Exactly. It's like a feedback loop. Like you're stressed out, cortisol is going up. It's stimulating those oil glands. And more than that, all our hormones are derived from the same building blocks. And in this beautiful cascade that our body has created, cortisol is going to be the queen and it's going to basically shut down the other hormone production, which means your sex hormones, which are already on the decline are going to take a bigger hit. So more dryness, more irritation, your skin is going to become more vulnerable to rashes and redness and a disruption of the skin microbiome. So it's a cascade effect, which is why I spend so much time teaching women how to regulate their nervous system, how to take back control of the things that we can control. Listen, we all have stress, but it's a matter of our perception and how to help our bodies function the best that they can, because life is challenging enough. Like, you know, like we are going through menopause at some point or another. And so it's, how can we do this from a place that is, we can enjoy this part of our life rather than suffering and struggling through it. Well, and I think really starting the discussion, I've come to find, like, as I've gotten older, I've started to kind of fine tune the women that I interact with and on so many levels. And and I'm laughing because last time I used this as an example, my kids know if I'm really busy with work, sometimes when I'm having downtime, other than exercising, being outside, being with them, I will watch something mindless. I'll stream something mindless on my iPad. And so one of the Real Housewives shows came up. And sometimes I'm just so fascinated with the degree and the depth of body dysmorphia that I see. Oh my God, yes. And I'm just like, it's like a train wreck. I can't help watching it. So my 16-year-old last night was like, mom's watching Real Housewives again. I guess she must be in like, you know, she must be in busy mode. And so I was like, no, you got to look at this. Look at this. And not to be cruel, but just, I find it utterly fascinating that as a culture, we are in positions where we are fighting so hard against what is otherwise a very natural process. And I say this with love because I'll be honest. I mean, I'm fully transparent with all my followers, listeners, everything, but there has to be a point to which you draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not going to do this. And that's okay for each one of us that might be very different but I'm utterly fascinated with the Muppet look. Like I just call it, they look like Muppets because they're, everything is so overfilled, overtaught. I'm not even sure if it's all surgical. It might just all be injectables, but it's utterly fascinating and also disturbing to be completely fair. 
I'm laughing because I literally just had this conversation with my teenage daughter. And I said, like, we should not be watching this. We should, this is so toxic for our brains. Like, but it is, it's like a trainer. You cannot look away. And it is, it is just such a testament to our social conditioning. And just like you, like I would be a complete asshole hypocrite. If I said I've never gotten Botox, I've not done fillers. And I think part of it is the studies Botox with depression where, you know, I would say people, but especially those socialized as women who have been, you know, made to feel that if your boobs aren't this size and your butt isn't this size, like you're just no good. That if you are looking in the mirror and you're just scowling at yourself, that inner critic is just going to have their way with you. But if you cannot, if you paralyze those muscles, so you can't make that nasty face, it softens a little bit. And then when you look in the mirror, you're like, hmm, maybe it's not so bad. You know, it's kind of this word. There's nothing magical about Botox, but it is kind of this gateway of opportunity to maybe have a little bit more love and self-compassion. And I think it's all about perspective. Like, why mm-hmm. are we getting the Botox? Why are we doing the filler? Why did <laughs> I shared earlier that I like, you know, straighten my hair? from a place of, I love myself enough to take good care of myself. And I want the outside to look as good as the inside versus if I do X, Y, and Z, I will be lovable. I will be worthy. People will look at me. They'll pay attention. Like we'll never get a return on our investment from that perspective. So I do think that there is a a place for all of these things. If we're honest with ourselves as to why we are choosing to do them. And I think that makes a huge difference. So I was watching Housewives as well. And there was a physician who was making comment, like a little dabble, do you this? And like, and pointing out the person's flaws. And I was like, as a woman, like you're a part of the problem. Like <laughs> let them come to you and say, you know, versus a lot of times, you know, people will come into an office and say, what's wrong with me? Fix me. Like nothing's wrong with you. Nothing. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armour Colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armour's Colostrum strengthens immunity ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And Armour's colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to try 
com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's dot com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep challenges. And we know that one of many contributory reasons for poor sleep can be a reduction in specific minerals that help regulate sleep quality, including magnesium, which is involved in GABA, which is our body's main calming neurotransmitter. We also know that we need potassium to create melatonin. And this is a hormone that is a master antioxidant, but is also utilized to help induce sleep. We also think about things like zinc, which can balance excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. And if it's overactive, meaning if your glutamate levels are too high, it can prevent your brain from becoming more relaxed and inducing sleep. And lastly, selenium increases both our deep sleep and sleep duration. All these minerals matter a lot for sleep and any imbalances or deficits can have a major impact on the quality of sleep you get each night. And that's why I love Beam Minerals. They offer a full spectrum mineral supplement that gives you every essential mineral your body needs in the right doses, all in a highly absorbable liquid form. All you do is take a shot of bean minerals about an hour before bed. Don't worry, it tastes like water. And you'll replenish all of your body's minerals in about 30 seconds and give your brain what it needs for deep restorative sleep. I've been using this product over the last several months. I've really been impressed with the improvement in my sleep metrics, which I like to share on social media with my followers. And if you want a simple way to improve your sleep, head over to www.beaminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. That's www.beaminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. And that's a really important distinction. Like self-love is where things originate from. And I think on many, many levels, there's certainly a culture of everything is fixable. Like if you don't like the way your nose looks, if you don't like the way your foot looks, if you want to appear to be taller, you're going to wear super high heels. I mean, it can run the gamut from being very benign all the way to, you know, some extreme surgeries. I was trying to explain to my teenagers that probably before I even met my husband many years ago, there was a show called the Swan. I don't know if you remember this, but it was another, like almost a train wreck where you were drawn into watching these women go from looking like themselves to looking like someone else's version of what they should look like. And I wonder if a hundred years from now, things will have gotten to a point that, that people will look back retrospectively and laugh at the degree of ridiculousness. However, I would imagine things are just going to get more ridiculous as they move on that, you know, people can't be a lot of people, not everyone. There are many people who aren't happy with who they are, where they are in place and time. And what they do to their physical appearance is a manifestation of, or a reflection of what's going on internally for them. A hundred percent. And that's why the, where I am so passionate about this work of helping, I work with women in particular, but helping them feel comfortable and confident in their skin. Cause how you show up in this skin of yours impacts what shows up on it. So if we're worried about fine lines and pigmentation, yes, I can make some recommendations of products. I can give you a three-step skincare regimen, 
but it's how we view ourselves. And so much of it goes back to our childhood when we were shamed for some behavior. So we have this protective mechanism of like, I don't want to be seen. I want to be seen, right? Like, I don't want the real me to be seen. I want the version of me to be seen that won't be criticized. And like I was back then. And I, you know, I have this sign behind me. Let's, you know, I have, it says, let's go skinny dipping. And the name of the program is skinny dipping method. And I use that as a reminder because I am the person who has all the layers on many times. I was made fun of as a kid for what was on my skin. I never put the dots together as to why I went into dermatology, right? It was because I felt so uncomfortable in my skin most of my life. Just found the science really fascinating, but it's a reminder that like on a physical level, we have to get naked in order to save our own lives. Skin cancer, melanoma, you know, the most common cancer essentially in the world, melanoma, the most deadly, but we have to, in order to thrive, be willing to get naked emotionally and mentally as well, and really be able to look beneath the surface so that we can heal, right? So many of like stress is the number one reason people go to the doctor. Well, actually skin-related issues are the number one reason people go to the doctor. And the vast majority of that are have underlying stress-related issues. And so I think it's just a matter of talking about it openly. There is no shame. Like so many of us have experienced so many micro traumas, macro traumas in our life. And it shows up in our behavior, which is reflected on our skin. Like your skin can be your greatest asset in terms of, Hey, those dark circles under your eyes, you're breaking out. Like, are you sleeping? Are you adding any pleasure or joy into your daily routine? Who are you spending your time with? What are you feeding yourself with both with food and other ways, like your skin can give you information that it needs your support. And it can also be your greatest cheerleader and glow like crazy when you're taking better care of yourself. So from that perspective, I think that our skin is like an amazing organ. <laughs> from that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you think of it as a litmus test or mm-hmm. validation that you're doing the right things. And I'm sure you probably would agree because you probably trained in the nineties. Like I trained in the nineties. And I remember, you know, hassling the residents with questions in the middle of the night, not purposefully ever always being respectful, but that's back in the days when all healthcare professionals worked obscenely long hours during their training. They were exhausted. You don't eat good food when you're stressed, you gravitate towards in Baltimore, it was Krispy Kreme donuts, which I never liked, by the way, and copious amounts of caffeine and, you know, whatever you could readily just grab and go with, you know, walking through. I mean, I can't even remember. It just makes me cringe when I think about all the junk that we ate, but acknowledging that our skin at that time was probably not a good reflection of how well we were taking care of ourselves. And I look at photos of me in my thirties and I'm like, gosh, I look so much healthier. Well, I, I got more sleep. I was, you know, had met my husband I definitely ate better. I definitely had more disposable income to eat better. I probably got in lots of exercise, you know, slept better. So I love that you kind of tie in that our skin is a manifestation and a reflection of how well we're taking care of ourselves. And that is impacted by so many of those lifestyle markers that I just alluded to. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. There was, when I was going through my training, there was no such thing as an 80 hour work week. Mm-hmm. I remember I graduated medical school. My husband was a year ahead of me and so it was a time when we were in training post call, like we wouldn't see each other for a week at a time. So 
So I remember thinking it was a good idea to follow him around the, the emergency room just so I could get a glimpse of him. And then I saw him do a procedure and I was like, oh, I almost like vomited. I was like, I don't care if I don't see you for two weeks. I'm never like, this is fine. <laughs> but yeah, like I, it is so true that your skin can be that litmus test and it doesn't require doing a lot. Like you don't need to invest a ton of money or even a ton of time, right? So one of the things that I always teach the people that I work with is breath work is actually probably the greatest asset and tool that you can use to help your skin repair, recover, and rejuvenate. And you don't have to add anything onto your to-do list. You're already doing it. But most of us aren't paying attention to how we breathe. Most of the time we are holding our breath. And just that awareness of breath can reset your nervous system from that fight or flight to that rest and repair and your skin, you know, it'll start to show. You'll feel a little bit more relaxed, a little more calm because that cortisol level, if it is staying jacked up, it is just wreaking havoc on your skin and cortisol melatonin, right? That interplay it's affecting your sleep wake cycle. And melatonin is one of the most potent antioxidants our body produces so powerfully reparative for our skin. It helps repair DNA damage. So we need that rest and recuperation. And I think we live in a society. I see it all the time on Instagram, like that hustle culture, like that's the worst thing for your skin. It's the worst thing for emotional and mental well-being too. And so I think just kind of shedding all that it's so hard, but shutting stuff off, like deleting stuff that isn't serving you and really fighting that urge, like that fear of missing out. I know that I have that at times, but I think that drives my stress response so much. Like you just have to shut things down. No, that brings up such good points. It's interesting. Uh, the breath work piece makes me think of one of my favorite books I read this year by James Nestor of Breathe. And I tell people all the time, I never would have imagined that a book that was talking about breath work would be so interesting, but really tapping into the autonomic nervous system. So we have fight or flight, which is sympathetic. And then we have this parasympathetic rest and repose. And as a society, we are constantly, it's a constant onslaught, you know, unlike when you and I were growing up where, you know, I don't care if you had cable TV at some point during the night, the TV went off and that was just the way things were. There was no, this total connectedness all the time, there was no FOMO because people, everyone just went to bed. That's not what happens now. And so, you know, when we really think about things that are serving our best interests and helping to support that hormone balance, you mentioned cortisol, talked a little bit about sympathetic dominance, but I remind people that when cortisol's up, you're not going to get good sleep quality. You're not going to tap into those master antioxidant benefits with melatonin, which the more I learn about melatonin, the more fascinating I find that hormone to be, because it's not just so it's just about sleep. It's about so many things and how there are so many different receptors throughout our digestive system. And in response to when we last eat a meal and when we try to go to bed and what our blood sugar is doing and whether or not we're eating more than we're fasting really has a huge net impact on our health and in ways that we probably don't even fully appreciate and realize yet. Yeah, it's fascinating. It really is. And to that point, when we are in that kind of sympathetic overdrive, that shift in hormones, right? Cortisol is elevated and what gets shut down, like your digestion mm -hmm. is, you know, shut down. You certainly don't, your libido goes in the tank. And so the impact on like metabolism and thyroid hormone too. And again, how that shows up on your skin, 
lateral third of your eyebrows is a classic sign that when those are thinning, it could be your thyroid. Your skin also can get really dry. Some people experience deposition disorders, myxedema. The skin is like kind of doughy. And, you know, so again, like learning to, we will always have stress. Stress can be a great motivator. And again, it's not that something happens. It's our response to it and kind of being in this chronically activated state. And it's understandable. We are still in a pandemic. You know, there are still going to be a ton of emails in your inbox that you have to deal with bills to pay, you know, social injustices in the world. Yes. And so to equip yourself with tools to help you regulate that response to stress so that you're not always feeling like anxious and overwhelmed is so key for your overall health and well-being, for your sleep, for your ability to digest and assimilate nutrients. But if we're talking skin health, right? So that your skin can truly repair and regenerate and recover and glow. <laughs> I mean, we really need to focus our attention on that. So I think we underestimate the impact that stress has. And I was just at an integrative derm conference a few months ago. Um, Cause even though I'm not actively practicing, I'm still fascinated by the science. And so I'm certified in that too. Like, is that, I think that's an illness that some of us have, like, you just need more and more certifications. Like, <laughs> Fall on in with that. <laughs> I think it's an innate curiosity. Like I yeah. always think about it from the perspective, like we love to learn and we always want to be learning. And so yeah. I tell my kids like neuroplasticity is a good thing with our brain, you know, creating new connections. And so I think it's a way to keep us sharp. That's what I tell myself. I love your rationale versus the, you know, again, still I, we teach best what we need to learn the most. I teach about managing the stress response, learning self-love and self-compassion because I've spent the majority of my life not being kind to myself, always thinking that I wasn't good enough, really, you know, thinking back to all the incidents of not being made fun of and other things like a childhood. So, you know, so I love, I'd rather take on your approach, but again, we're learning, we're evolving. And what came up specifically at that conference is psoriasis, eczema, you know, hydradenitis, some of these, you know, very chronic, very debilitating, isolating Mm -hmm. diseases, because when people see psoriasis or really bad atopic derm or hydradenitis, they don't understand that it's not infectious. It's not contagious. And the individuals who struggle with this feel very isolated and don't want to have intimate relationships or don't feel like they can. And the thing that came up is like, this creates a lot of stress and distress and emotional dis-ease, right? But it's the missing piece in our field. So there is a subspecialty called psychodermatology, but there are very few dermatologists who are trained in that or have the bandwidth if you're an insurance, an insurance-based model. So I feel like I want to be that gap, fill that gap for people because it's such an important piece of the treatment protocol that we're not including. And if we can help regulate our nervous system, like no doubt the people who have psoriasis, acne, eczema, those are some of the, the top three things that people go to the doctor for. All of them, like there's a huge component, I wouldn't say all, but a huge component that is tied to stress exacerbating it. Mm-hmm. And the stress as a result of having the condition. So learning how to manage that stress is going to be a key thing for 
resolving, improving, and maintaining skin wellness. It makes complete sense. And I might have not have shared this on the podcast before, but 20 plus years ago, I was bit by a deer tick, had the classic bullseye rash, happened to go in and see my primary care provider. She saw it. I immediately started antibiotics and for which I'm very grateful. But six months later, I developed a patch of psoriasis on my forehead. And I recall when I read about psoriasis and looked at photos and the photos you see in medical journals or in medical textbooks are like the worst case scenario. Well, and there are a lot of people who certainly suffer with more significant psoriasis. So I had very mild psoriasis and I dealt with it intermittently with topical steroids over the years. And it wasn't until I met my first integrative medicine specialist and she said, you realize your psoriasis is related to the fact you're on antibiotics and you developed an autoimmune issue because of the antibiotics has impacted your gut microbiome and how my entire world changed when I just took gluten out of my diet. And my psoriasis went completely away. Again, it was very mild. However, I recall as a 20 something being very concerned that I was going to end up with this really significant case of psoriasis because there was such little information and what was out there was really scary to be honest. And so I love that you are kind of marrying these two desires together in a way that will make things a whole lot less distressful for patients because you're right. Their traditional allopathic medicine model is you get five, 10 minutes with a patient. If you're a physician and you know, if they gave you more than one or two complaints, it's going to mess up how quickly you can get on to the next person. Being a nurse practitioner, I always had more time, but we sometimes got saddled with hospital discharges, which were usually pretty much disasters. But the point of why I'm sharing this is that individuals that are listening understand that it's not that your healthcare provider doesn't want to hear all the things, but they're not trained to do it. And it's, it's extra training, this extra realization that you're realizing there's more to it, more to dermatology, more Mm -hmm. to skincare than just giving a diagnosis, writing a prescription and sending you on your merry way and giving you a, you know, 10 second spiel on, Oh, by the way, don't do this, this, and this. And then the patient goes home and it and feels completely lost. One of the things that came up with some frequency on social media, when I mentioned that we were connecting was a lot of women feel that there's again, a lot of pressure on certain terminology, certain types of products they should, or sh- and I say should is in quotes, should be using at this stage at middle age and beyond. And so do you have ways that you suggest navigating beyond, you know, the cognitive behavioral stuff that you're already doing ways to navigate choosing, you know, cleaner, safer products that are out there that came up frequently was how do I choose products? Are there brands you trust? What are the things I need to be looking for? How can I support my health in healthy ways? Yeah. I love that because it is a comprehensive approach, right? There's so many different things that we need to look at from our gut microbiome and the gut skin connection and your skin microbiome. So from an inside out perspective, I think we touch on some of them really sleep is so key. And as we're heading into this perimenopause, postmenopause phase of life, where hot flashes can make sleep a challenge doing our best to set ourselves up for success, right? Sleep doesn't just start at our bedtime. It really is a 24 hour cycle from the moment you get up, starting your day, maybe with getting outside in natural sunlight to make sure that you're helping maintain that circadian rhythm, adding pleasure into your day. I actually have it in my calendar, pleasure first. So whether it's 
you know, reading a passage in a book or petting my dogs or working out something that really starts your day from a place of joy, really kind of frames the day. And with regards to sleep, making sure that your room is really dark and a cool temperature and that there is not a lot of clutter. I don't know about you, but like clutter does stress me out. So like, I'm not saying you have to be a neat freak, but it's like really just using your bedroom for sleep and sex. And like, if you have a TV in your room, I strongly encourage you to remove it and use that elsewhere. Cause that blue light in your room is not a good thing. I actually just got this new eye mask that has little pressure points that I have found really helps my sleep tremendously nourishing nutrition. I'm talking to like the expert here, you know, right. That is so important of how we nourish whole foods, plant powered, but I truly believe there's room for everything. I will never be dogmatic about what kind of food people should eat. I really want people. I'm all about embodiment and that somatic experience eat for how you want to feel and not just in the moment for that instant gratification, right? It's like in a couple hours from now, how's your mood? (laughs) Are you pooping? Like that's an indication, like what you're eating may or may not be serving your body. And with regards to skincare specifically, it's tough. There's a lot of great products out there. And so I know that, you know, environmental working group is a good resource, but it's not perfect, but it's a place to start. And I really like to keep a skincare regimen very simple because I'm lazy and (laughs) non-compliant. I mean, perfectly honest. Yeah. I'm the worst when it comes to that. And I think most doctors are, but washing your face. Okay. And if you don't wash your face in the morning, okay. Wash your face at night for sure. Because air pollution is right behind UV rays in terms of causing damage to your skin. It can break down the collagen, the elastin cause hyperpigmentation. So at least wash your face at night to get all the daily grime off, especially if you live in a city. So washing your face with a gentle cleanser, an antioxidant serum, vitamin C and E at a minimum, those two synergistically work very well together to help repair DNA damage. You need vitamin C for collagen production. That's the other thing with stress. Your adrenals need vitamin C to produce that cortisol, and it's going to be kind of taking it away from your collagen production, right? So vitamin C topically foods that are rich in vitamin C intake, and then in the morning, a tinted moisturizer with SPF 30. And the reason why I say tinted, and thankfully there are many companies that have all shades to accommodate people of all colors. Thankfully it's about damn time is because, okay, I'm sitting in front of a window glass. And so sitting in front of a window, UVA rays penetrate your window glass. UVA rays are the aging rays. So whether it's COVID and you're working inside or just, that's just your life. You've always worked in an office. You are getting sun exposure all day long if you're sitting in front of the window. So you want to protect your skin. Now we are on Zoom right now. We are in front of our devices, blue light coming off our screen. Studies have now shown that the blue light can also cause pigmentation issues and damaging your collagen, your elastin. So the iron oxide in a tinted moisturizer will help block the blue light. So that is why tinted moisturizer, SPF 30 or above, most of us are not putting on the recommended amount of sunscreen on a daily basis. So you're not truly likely getting SPF 30. And for those of you who are concerned, oh, but the vitamin D, like we cannot wear sunscreen. Okay. I call bullshit on that. Studies have shown most of us, listen, yes, if you're putting on, you know, research study amount of SPF, it will block some UVB rays. However, 
studies have shown the vast majority are, are not doing that. So you, like no, class, which is for your whole body, for yeah. your whole body. Yeah. Most of us aren't doing that, nor are we reapplying and it breaks down most of the time. A couple hours, we're wiping it off with our towels and such. No sunscreen blocks hundred percent of UV rays. So it's a matter of balance. Do I think you should get out in the sun? Yes. Dermatologists are not like sun ogres. Like we believe you need to get out there. At least I do anyway. And and get the benefits, the endorphins, the feel good, but you want to balance that with some protection. 90% of visible signs of aging are from UV exposure. Skin cancer is the most prevalent cancer in the United States, non-melanoma skin cancer. Your, so your basal cell and your squamous cell, which are directly you know, correlated to cumulative sun exposure over time. And so it's a big deal. It's a big deal. You can prevent these things from an outside in approach. In the evening, so this is a long thing, Wash your face again, right? right. If you hadn't washed your face in the morning, wash it at night. Antioxidant serum again. And then instead of the sunscreen, adding in a product that can help with skin cell turnover, like a topical retinol, retinoid. Your prescription is tretinoin or retin-A would be the brand name. And But the caveat there, it can cause dryness, irritation, rashiness. Those of us may be very sensitive to it. If you cannot tolerate it, so a little bit goes a long way. You start off using a little bit, maybe once a week, then twice a week, build your way up. If you still cannot tolerate it, an alternative is Bacuchiol. And there was a head-to-head study done with retinoids against Bacuchiol, and the results were pretty impressive. Actually, Bacuchiol in this study had, I think, even better results for wrinkling and improvement in the skin without the irritation. And it's safe in to use in pregnancy because retinoids, when taken by mouth, are category X. We do not want to harm the fetus. So can you use a topical retinoid when you're pregnant? We always say not recommended, but the light, the amount that you're using is so in like tiny, tiny, and the amount that's actually absorbed into the body probably wouldn't make an impact, but we say, you know, safer than sorry. So avoid it. At some point we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bi Optimizers. Masszymes is a full spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. With five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today risk free. They have a 365 day full money back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code 
Cynthia 10 for 10% off any order. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I've used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code E. WP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Well, I think there's such a little research, understandably done on pregnant and breastfeeding women that... I always used to say to patients like better to be safe than sorry. Like even if it's very minimal absorption, I got a lot of questions about peptides. Are you fairly interested slash finding good research about peptides for skincare? So I think it's really interesting. So I am no expert by any means. And I know in terms of peptides, like injectable peptides, and I've used some of those to try and heal my gut and other things. Topical peptides. I was using this from a compounded pharmacy. I was curious about it. I think that there's probably some benefit. I don't know. I didn't use it long enough. The research looks quite interesting, but again, it's a matter of what vehicle is it in? Can it really penetrate? Can it absorb? So I think there's more to it. And so I would probably defer to someone who's really into that, but some of these products are really quite expensive with a peptide. So I'd really start from the inside out, you know, nourishment of your skin. And again, like, learning how to breathe and other practices. Like not everyone can just sit and meditate. That's why I also teach a whole range of practices. I'm one of those people, you know, so it's not all just breathing and meditation, but finding practices to help you regulate that stress response so that your cortisol is not kind of messing with you. You're like fighting a losing battle. (laughs) Right. No. And I think a lot of people don't even recognize when their cortisol is up. I mean, I can tell because I will oftentimes get that 
sensation where I'm just my executive function, my ability to make decisions because I'm stressed is completely overridden by the part of your brain, the amygdala, where it just kind of says, okay, we're just focused on one thing at a time. We can't think through things. We're just me very deliberate, like one step at a time. I got quite a few questions about peels and lasers. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Do you have any recommended, you know, directions to go in? Yeah. Again, I am not like the aesthetic guru expert. So I haven't, I don't have specific brands of peels that I'd recommend. They can be incredibly effective and peels actually, there's actually the peel society. They do a lot of education on this. Their results are so impressive when you do a series of more concentrated professional grade, like medical grade peels, Mm -hmm. very impressive results for rejuvenation and helping with pigmentation and they're non-invasive. Now, Mm -hmm. the more aggressive the peel is, the more downtime that you will have, the more peeling, the more redness, the more irritation you have to protect yourself from the sun in those instances. Peels can be a wonderful asset and adjunct to everything else that you're doing. Laser therapy, same thing, depending on there's ablative lasers versus non-ablative. So Mm -hmm. the lunchtime laser and facial versus investing several weeks in terms of recovery. So it's a matter of what the goal is, how willing you are to invest your time and energy into recuperation and also cost because some of these things are not inexpensive, but I think the technology has advanced and there's many wonderful treatments available. But again, you can't expect to do the laser and the peel and have long lasting results and to get the return on your investment and feel amazing about yourself. If you went into it with a perspective, like you think that's going to change your life. Right. So, well, but I think it, it like, can be this kind of multi-layered process. Like yes. I very open that once a year I do perfractional, I have a love hate relationship with it. I love it about a week after I do it. I hate it while I'm doing it, but I think over the last 10 years, it's really helped with you know, some stimulation of collagen and elastin. It does have downtime. You do get a topical anesthetic. In fact, I think my team has convinced me that I should do some Insta stories as I'm healing when I do it in January. But I I think it's also one of these things that's so important for us to be transparent and say, this is something that I've done that technically is invasive, but I'm with someone that I trust. I've been going to the same person for over 10 years, but it allows me to perhaps use some cleaner products on my skin and not feel like I have to go overboard with heavily perfumed, heavily marketed products. Because when you see something in a magazine, the recognition needs to be that that company spent a lot of money to ensure that you saw that in Vogue or whatever magazine. Does anyone even get magazines at home anymore? I know we don't get anything. (laughs) It's really been wonderful. But if you're looking at a printout or you're seeing a commercial or see something that pops up on you know, whatever streaming service you use, the recognition that that company spent a lot of money to ensure that got in front of you. So you then be stimulated to then buy it. Yeah, totally true. I think, you know, again, it's a comprehensive strategy and understanding what your motivation is and what your return on your investment, you want it to be. And investing in procedures is, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And again, just like you said, totally transparent. Have I had, I've tried like, you know, Botox lasers, 
the one laser that I would recommend is like vaginal rejuvenation. Hello. Like it made a big difference in terms of having gone through childbirth and things feeling a little looser, like tightening the tissue, good stuff. Like I will, you know, for function, I think that there are many benefits from some of these procedures and such, but again, asking questions like what is the goal that you are seeking to have this procedure for and making sure that it aligns, it matches up with the outcomes that you can expect having realistic expectations. Otherwise you will be disappointed. And you're like, I just spent a shit ton of money and I didn't get what I wanted. So sometimes it does require a more aggressive treatment with more downtime to get that result. So you just have to go in like fully informed. (laughs) Okay. So I have to hear more about this vaginal laser. What kind of laser, what was the downtime? Did it hurt? How many sessions did you need? Cause this is going to be the follow-up questions that people will ask me. Yeah. So it was, there's radio frequency and it was a series of three treatments, I think about a month or so apart. And it was a little bit, you put numbing medication in and it really, you know, in terms of urinary incontinence and frequency, Some people are helped with that, but not necessarily, but it really, especially you do the outside and you can Mm -hmm. do inside and the outside in terms of tissue hydration, it's supposed to help with hydration, stimulating collagen, stimulating the tissue to be rejuvenate, right? So a little bit more kind of regaining some function. There's a few different, there's the Mona Lisa is one type of laser. Why am I blanking on some of the other ones, it's like the, <laughs> oh, I'm like doing it with my hand and I'm totally spacing on the other ones. It'll come to me. This is the mature brain, not as much sleep. Admittedly, I did not get much sleep last night. I was um, not practicing what I preach. I stayed up a little bit later and I did not get good sleep. And that's the thing, right? Like using your functioning and what's happening on a daily basis to inform us of like, Hey girl, (laughs) now these are opportunities. These are, yeah. Take better care of me. These are opportunities. Oh, it's going to kill me that I can't remember the name. That's okay. Sorry for all, you know, out there. (laughs) No, no, no. We'll put links to all this. And so what is your personal kind of methodology? Are you pro bioidenticals? Are you, I would assume, but this is kind of a hot topic. The more I learn, there's a great book I just read called Estrogen Matters. And that kind of is very aligned with you know, my methodology and thinking about why it's so important for women that are making that transition to be thoughtful about replacing what we're losing. Yeah, I agree. And I would have directly across from me is my copy of Estrogen Matters. So this past through 2020, I actually did a mentorship with a physician who's been in the bioidentical hormone space for over 25 years. And I learned his method and was actually prescribing bioidentical hormones. And and it all came about because having gone through early menopause, we had talked, I think before we hit record that, you know, in my late thirties, I was running ultra marathons. I thought I was a pillar of health. My period started getting really wonky. I was bleeding for like weeks at a time. And not one of my physicians keyed into the fact like, hmm, your hormones seem out of balance. Progesterone uh, is probably low. Maybe we should supplement you. No. And then it just snowballed. And I ultimately had a hysterectomy and the pathology was endometriosis, adenomyosis, and fibroids. I mean, the trifecta of just hormone dysfunction over many, many years that could have likely 
been mitigated. I don't know if prevented, but mitigated stress management. I was putting too much stress on my body with the over-exercising for my body, the emotional stress of not loving my job at the time. I literally was probably running away from my, <laughs> my crap. And unfortunately, you know, I had this hysterectomy. I still had my ovaries, but they weren't functioning as well. So I was in, you know, went into menopause a little bit earlier than anticipated, had been on and off hormones. My naturopath suggested, hey, try this bioidentical hormone formulation. As a dermatologist, I think you might like it. It's an oil suspension made from organic oils, jojoba oil, even primrose oil, and connect with the founder. So I did. Next thing you know, it's supposed to be meet and greet. Next thing you know, I'm like head first into menopause medicine, learning all about it. And as a dermatologist, it seemed to make perfect sense because as we kind of began this conversation and the impact that hormones have on skin health and appearance, women would come to me like, Hey, I'm, you know, wrinkles and fine lines and pigmentation. And they wanted to look better, but really they wanted to feel better. Mm -hmm. And it really comes down to estrogen plays a significant role on our mood and our cognitive function. And as those hormones decline, we become more irritable. And especially also as progesterone is going down that great calmer, we don't have that influence to help the, our neurotransmitters and, and GABA to help calm and relax us. So really integrally related. And so I began to learn about hormone supplementation and understanding like we were unfortunately as a medical community in the early 2000s with the Women's Health Initiative study, it really did a lot of damage to, it's still reverberating even now that we think that hormones are so dangerous and, you know, cannot be taken even by women who've had a history of breast cancer, which estrogen matters is a great example of, it was written by an oncologist that that's not true. Everyone needs to be taken on an individual basis, but the fact that the risk of breast cancer is potentially diminished in those who are replenished with hormones. And even those who've had a history of breast cancer, the risk of recurrence is lower in those getting hormones than those who aren't. So when I was prescribing, I actually had several patients with a history of breast cancer. Obviously we were working closely with their oncologists and their cardiologists and like having everyone in the mix. So I am very supportive and we are not replenishing hormones to the level of our twenties and thirties. It really is to improve symptomatology mm -hmm. and benefit health, but it's not to get it back to youthful levels. And I think that there are some methods that may kind of keep upping the level and also understanding that how we metabolize these estrogens are really important. So if women are having hot flashes, you put them on hormones, all of a sudden they're having more hot flashes. That is not an invitation to increase your estrogen. It's an invitation to say, okay, how are you metabolizing the estrogen? Does your liver need some more support? How's your gut function? Like we need to get rid of it. You might be overshooting their threshold. And again, taking in the whole person and understanding all the facets that play a role. And again, circling back to stress, even though I, women's hormones were balanced on paper, they were still anxious, overwhelmed, not sleeping. And again, when I would teach them how to breathe and meditate and take them through a whole host of other practices. All of a sudden it's like the curtains were pulled back. They felt better. They felt more calm, more at ease, more confident. So it's not just a prescription. 
right? We need to address the entire person. No, I could not agree more. And you did such a beautiful job explaining all that. I think it's really important that we honor who we are as, as bio-individuals, that we determine and really focus first on the lifestyle piece, because it, what I see happening, and I mean, it happens so frequently that I now just preemptively tell everyone, yes, you may need hormones, but you probably need seven other things first that have to be dialed in before we start layering in hormones. Because women will say to me, I've gained 10 to 15 pounds when I was put on hormone replacement therapy, because they're still not sleeping properly. Their diet is still terrible. They're over-exercising. Their stress isn't managed. I couldn't agree more. And I love that you brought up one of my books that I have completely devoured as of late, Estrogen Matters. Um, I'm hoping to bring the author's on the podcast to be able to really unpack. And for me, what I found really interesting about that book and certainly relevant to our conversation is that 2002 was around the time that I was still a new nurse practitioner. And I recall my mom and all my aunts were taken off of all of their hormone replacement therapy. And I was saying to each of them fairly recently, I said, with everything I now know, that couldn't have been a worse decision to have made. It impacted hundreds of thousands, if not millions of women. And if you look outside the United States, they have far more progressive perspectives, even in the EU, they don't use synthetics, they use bioidentical hormones. And I think women navigate the, you know, 40% of your lifetime, if you live long enough, they navigate that transition so much more easily. I think there's still so much fear, even, you know, as I'm getting ready to do a webinar tomorrow night, talking about middle age, hormones, weight gain, all these topics that people want to learn more about. My team and I are recognizing that we have to be really ready. Like normally we don't start with a disclaimer that says we are not providing medical advice, but we are starting that because already we're getting DMs about, but I was told, and you know, it starts off and did something well-meaning is can hormones hurt me? And that was one of the questions that came out of the Instagram stories Someone said, I'm really interested in bioidenticals, but I'm concerned it will hurt me. And it makes me very sad as I'm sure it does yourself because Mm -hmm. the recognition, the more you understand, the more you realize that, you know, a certain degree of maintaining certain hormones is incredibly beneficial. And I think the book XX Brain by Dr. Lisa Moscone, which I'm sure you're familiar with that work, that's the one that made me realize there was so much more to brain physiology than I recall from, you know, 20 plus years ago learning And how critically important it is for proper communication and warding off Alzheimer's. And for listeners, if you're not familiar, women are at a reduced risk of developing a lot of cognitive issues until they go through menopause. And and so the working presumption is that there's some degree of influence with insulin resistance and the loss of these sex hormones on brain physiology. And, And so obviously something we really want to continue these conversations. So if you're listening to my discussion with Dr. Barr, make sure that you you know, enter into a discussion with your own healthcare professional. If you aren't getting the answers that you want and need, you know, certainly reach out to individuals like Dr. Barr that are doing such great work with women. So being respectful and mindful of your time, what are you working on now? What new things are you doing in your practice? How can my listeners connect with you? Yeah, I love that. And I just also want to add on not just the brain health, but cardiovascular risks mm-hmm. too. Sorry, we have a protective benefit up to like age 60 and beyond that, you know, we're, we're at a disadvantage. So again, please, you know, 
go to your webinar and like <laughs> learn and listen because it is, um, we've really done a huge disservice. There's so much to learn. So what am I doing? So as I mentioned, even though I was supporting women with bioidentical hormones, I felt that there was that gap, just like there is in skin mm-hmm. care of really helping women specifically manage that stress response and learn and to be empowered, right? There's so much we cannot control, but so many of us are disconnected. One of the exercises I do is it's actually art um, and it's really perception of ourselves. And it's amazing how in one picture, there's just a head. And then in another, there's actually the body, but there's like, it's this realization like, oh my God, like my head is not connected to my body. I am so disconnected from what's happening inside. And my work right now is to help women reconnect to themselves, learn how to really nourish themselves, not just with what we think of as primary nourishment, which is food, but really from a place of self-compassion, self-care, self-love, so that you can feel confident and comfortable in this skin. And it will reflect that on the outside and get that glow. That's really the work that I've been doing. And it's been phenomenal. And right now I'm in a teaching a eight week course. And just in the first three weeks, the participants have been like blown away how much better they're sleeping, how much more at ease and in control they really feel. They never realized that it was really like up to them to regulate their mood, that how much control they they actually have. And I think as we head into our forties, fifties and beyond, and we are made to feel invisible, right. By media and in the workplace and other things to really have be empowered to be seen and heard. It's been really exciting for me. And like I said, we teach best what we need to learn the most. I do this work because I still need it. I, you know, full transparency. I am not saying I'm above this, like I'm in the fray. So I plan to continue this type of programming. And I also work one-on-one with women who may or may not feel comfortable working in a group like that. So, yeah. No, it's wonderful. I'm so grateful that you're in this space and that we were able to connect. I know that this podcast episode will be particularly valuable for women as they're navigating all the changes that happen in their lives in middle age and beyond. So thank you for your time today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I could talk all day. (laughs) If you love this podcast episode, please leave a rating and review, subscribe and tell a friend. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness.